words ring truer and truer, Lord, as the days go on. Lord, as we near closer and closer to your coming, Lord, you're, you're the catching away of the bride. Lord, you alone, you're the only satisfaction, Lord. You're the only joy giver. You're the only desire of our hearts, Lord. We've laid aside, oh God, all the, the wealth of the world and all of the, the desires of the flesh, Lord. We've come this morning, Lord, with an expectation in our hearts that you would come. Lord, we cry out in our souls. Lord, there's a deep calling out to the deep this morning. Lord, there is a deep to respond. There is a God that responds back. The Lord, you are here to meet our needs, Lord, to meet our, our every desire, oh God, that we've come, Lord. We've opened every window of our heart, the window of our soul, those flowing wide the doors, Lord, that we would allow you to come in. Father, we don't have the ability in our own self to hear you, but Father, you put something within us that, Lord, we could respond back to the Word of God. That, Lord, it would strike within our hearts and say, that's nothing but the truth. Lord, help me, Lord, as I've laid myself aside. Lord, just to get right out of the way that you could come and speak to your children this morning. 
Father, you have a bride that is expecting, Lord, expecting the word, Lord. Father, that you would come and deliver it to the hearts of everyone that is under the sound of my voice this morning. Lord, I commit this word to you. Lord, commit the hearer of it to you also, that you would give the increase now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you to the musicians and Brother Marion. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. We'll actually turn over to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 42. Brother Branham would turn to this scripture and preach the message, Deep Calleth to the Deep. and He would call it the soul's cry or the cry of your soul. And, you know, there's in everyone that has a seed of God within them, there's something in their soul that cries out, that longs for the satisfaction of that seed, longs for life to be given to it, not just for a seed to lay there dormant, but it wants life. It needs water, it needs the word, it needs nutrients, it needs something to cause it to grow into what it was meant to be. As the scripture says, every seed must bring forth of its kind. A seed doesn't bring forth a different kind, it brings forth its kind. What's in the seed, it will bring forth. In other words, those that are serpent seed, they will bring forth serpent seed, they can't help it. But those who have the seed of God within them, they can't help what they become either. Psalms chapter 42, I mean, in reality right there, I could just close the scripture and say, let's all go home because that's really my topic this morning. I want to speak this morning on the voice of the seed. As I've been, I've been trying to, it's usually how I find the mind of the Lord. I try and something drops in my heart and I try and get away from it. If I can't get away from it, I know it wasn't me. But uh, if it lines up with the word, then it came from God in the first place. But, you know, we've been trying to get away from this service, trying to get away from this subject, but the Lord just keeps bringing me back around to it. So we'll just trust us for somebody. But Psalms chapter 42, we'll start in verse 1. It says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I have gone with the multitude. And I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. 
Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Remember, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites and from the hill of Mazar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the Lord of my life. I will speak unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy, as with a sword in my bones mine enemies reproach me? While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Amen. May the Lord have blessing to the word. You may be seated. I want to just begin this morning, maybe we'll just begin as it is in the scripture in verse 1 and you know, David begins to cry out, and really, he begins to cry. As I said, Brother Branham would call it the, the, the cry of the soul. And, and it's, 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 it's a deep calling out that David is now, it's not something he's just feeling a sorrow in his flesh or even in his spirit, but rather there's something deep in his heart that begins to cry unto God and say, Lord, as the deer longeth for the water, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, when a deer even is wounded, it longs to go to the water. It knows if it can reach the water, it can be saved, that it can stop the bleeding to get in that water. And David begins to see those things in nature even as he's running from Saul and he begins to see different things and he's out in the wilderness trying to survive and he begins to cry out and he says God like that my heart my soul is longing for you I want to be with you if I know I can just get in the presence of God I can be saved and he begins to even write and I believe it's even pertinent at this time where he says I went with joy and praise with the multitude that kept the holy day in other words I went to the temple I went to the house of God I put on a good face I went with joy I went with praise I was there I was happy everyone looked at me and seen me shouting and singing but something on the inside was crying out Lord I need something more real than this I need something more real than just coming to church and feeling a feeling and having some kind of a Holy Spirit I need God on the inside I need him to be in me living out, not just on the outside, constantly pushing in. And he begins to cry out. See, there's a deep calling out to the deep. There's got to be a deep to respond. Brother Branham would say, he says, the soul's call. He said, look, I've got this illustration. He says, if there's a fin on a fish's back, it had to be put there for him to swim with. He needed it for that. Now what if he said, oh, I'm going to be a different fish. I'm going to be smart, educated, uh-huh. I'm going to believe some real theology. I don't believe, I believe I don't have to have that fin. He wouldn't get very far in the water, would he? That's exactly right. In other words, God put something there for a purpose. He didn't put a fin on a fish just to have a nice looking fin or for some an ugly fin. But he put it on the fish for a reason for it to survive in the waters that it was intended to survive in. Oh, praise be to God. 
Oh my, he said this, if a tree said now, I, have, I know there had to be an earth first for me to grow in. That's right, I'm supposed to grow in the earth, but I'm going to be a different tree. I want them to set me out in the middle of the street so I could be noticed. He said it wouldn't live very long. It wasn't meant to live in the middle of a street. It wasn't meant to live in the middle of the sky. It's not a cloud, it's a tree. It's meant to live with roots in the ground. It's meant to be in a certain place and certain trees grow in certain climates. You can't take a palm tree and put it up here in the middle of winter and expect it to survive. It's not made for that. It's made to be down in the balmy Florida and the, you know, over in Hawaii where we all wish we could be, but it's nice here now, praise the Lord. But it's not made to survive here even in the winter time. We're not human enough. It needs to have that certain atmosphere, that certain place for it to be. He says, when the deep calleth to the deep, it's more than joining a church. It takes more than shaking hands with a preacher. It takes more than living a good straight life. It takes something to satisfy inside of you that pours down from God into your soul. A deep calling to the deep at the noise of the waterspouts, oh Lord. Before there could be a deep calling out, there has to be something there to respond. Amen. God didn't create the fish and then the ocean. He made the waters and he made the life to put in the waters. Praise be to God. He didn't create the fish and go, oh, I need somewhere for it to live now. Well, I better put an ocean in there so that way it's got a home. No, he made the waters so it had a home. In other words, he put a purpose for that fin to be there on the fish first. Praise be to God. Then there's a deep calling out in us that's calling out for something more, something greater, calling out to be in the presence of Jehovah, calling out for more of God. Why is it there? Because he was there in the first place. Amen. That it proves that there's something there to respond back. But also to make contact with the deep, to make contact with God, there has to be something in you. There has to be a seed in you to make contact. If you go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 13 says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Jesus speaking here and says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and, and not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. In other words, you might have the physical outlet of the flesh of hearing and seeing, but without something in your heart to properly receive it and to understand it, you cannot know what is really being said. And nor can you understand what your eyes are really looking at. But and then it goes on and says, But for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull in hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. It says, And should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Oh my, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
In other words, there has to be a difference in the receiving set. Not just in the giving. He says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's the same rain. It's the same God that speaks. And he speaks out to a multitude of people. But it depended on the receiving set in each individual. Whether they could understand what was being spoken. Now let's go into that. They said, now there's many voices that speak today. There's a lot of voices that speak, and the scripture says in Romans 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This hearing is not just literally me preaching and it falling on your ears, or you reading the scripture and you're looking at a dead letter, but it's something that Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are you because you hear and you see what's happening. In other words, there's a receiving set on the inside that's burning within you, that's understanding what's being spoken. Say, well, I can't put it all together, Brother Andrew. No, I'm not talking about intellectual understanding. I'm talking about an understanding in the soul that rings true and says, I believe that. I might not be able to intellectually put it together, but I believe it to be the truth. And there's a lot of voices that speak today, some of which we understand, some of which we don't. You know, there's certain voices. There's a voice of politics, and there's some of us that don't understand the voice of politics very well. That is, a politician could speak and he could say many things that some of us look at and go, to me he said nothing. But to an analyst or someone who's studying that area, they look at it and they say, yeah, I understand what he's saying and they can put it together, perhaps put it in layman's term for us. Same thing with economics. There's voices of economics that can speak certain things. An economist looks at it, he understands it. Someone that, that then there's a voice that, that they speak and there's another voice that uh, becomes a virtual voice in computers. That a software designer or a hardware designer, he understands it. But for me to go into and press the right buttons to get to the screen where it shows all the numbers and all the signs and all the codes and all these things, it's just gibberish to me. I don't understand the voice. I can physically read it. I can physically see what it's saying, but I can't understand it for the life of me. Because I'm not trained in that way, but for someone like Brother Moses, who's trained as that kind of a person, he can look at it and understand what it's saying and interpret it back to me. Amen. And that's a different voice that begins to cry out. And there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of insane voices today, too. I thought about it this week as I was working on a job. A man kept coming down. There was a radio there, and it was playing rock and roll music. And I, I, I kept going over and just shutting it off. And he'd come down and turn it on, and he'd go back upstairs. And I'd go over, and I'd shut it off. And he'd come back over downstairs, and he'd turn it back on. So I'd go over and shut it off. He never did talk to me about it, so I didn't think it was worth it talking to him about it. I just kept turning it off. So that was a little argument, but that's fine. And, and, but I, as I was thinking on these things, I thought, my, why, why would someone want to work all day with someone screaming in their ear? You know, I, I could just go over to him and just stand there and scream in his ear if that's what he wants. But if it's just someone over the radio and they're screaming with drums beating in the background and some guitar going crazy and there's just nothing to it. But, but to them, that's a voice that's speaking to their heart. That to them, that's a comfort because it's drowning out the thoughts that they're having in their mind. 
Because that's the voice that they're listening to. That's the voice that they're, they're, they're after. But to me, it's not the voice that I'm understanding. I'm looking at it going, how can you live with this? How can you possibly understand this? How could you listen to this day in and day out? Day in and day out. But he might look at the word of God and he might read the, the message of the hour and listen to a service of Brother Badham and say, how can you listen to this? The recording's terrible. You can't hardly understand the guy sometimes. His English isn't all that great. How can you possibly listen to this? But to me, that's something that I can understand. That's something that rings true down in my heart, down in my soul, and it's real to me. So there's a lot of voices that's going on, but there's one voice of God that speaks, and the difference lies in the hearing of the voice. Brother Bradham one time was baptizing on the Ohio River, and he pulled the 17th person into the water, and he was baptizing them, and there came the pillar of fire down, and a voice spoke. To some it thundered. Some understood what the voice said. There was a woman on the water in her rowboat that was being disrespectful at the time, and she saw the light, and she passed out. Other people saw the light, and it didn't do anything to them. They thought it was a wonderful thing. What was it? It was a difference in the receiving set. It was the same light, it was the same voice, it was the same God that everyone was seeing and beholding and hearing. But to some it thundered, to some they heard it, to some it was a scary thing, to some it was a great thing. Why? It was the same God. But it was a difference in the heart. Brother Branham, when he preaches the message in 1958, November of 1958, he preaches the message, hear his voice. And he begins this message and he begins to speak about bringing his rifle into calibration. And he starts the message out. He begins to talk about how, you know, he, he needed his rifle and he was out there tuning it. Or I don't know what they call it. I'm not a hunter really. But he was out there trying to fine tune the scope and make it so he could shoot a tack. See, you know, the other brothers, you know, they could shoot all around the tack. And then, you know, the head of the squirrel maybe is that big and the tack is just that big. You know, so he said, well, the brothers were okay with hitting this big. He said, but to me, it had to hit the tack perfect. He said, to them, they'd shoot it. It'd be within a, within a half an inch of the tack. They'd just be, well, it's good enough. We're happy, Brother Brown. Let's go. He said, no, it's got to be right on. It's got to be just perfect. It's got to hit that tack every time. He says, or it makes me a nervous wreck. And he says, and he began to think to himself, say, Lord, and he began to pray, Lord, why have I become such an old crank? You listen to him in the message. Right? That's Brother Brown starts calling himself an old crank. You know, sometimes we get that way. He says, I'm a terrible person. I'm a crank. I'm a this. I'm a that. But that's not what God was looking at. That was what Brother Brown was looking at himself. Okay, and he was looking at it this way. But really, he began to recognize God made him that way for a purpose. Now what he's talking about, I'm going to break it down a little further, because what he's talking about is his spirit. Okay, he's not talking about his soul now. He's talking about his spirit. He said, I'm designed in my spirit this certain way, that it has to be just exactly perfect or I become a nervous wreck. He said, it has to be that way. God designed me that way in my spirit so that I would receive his word a certain way into my soul. So it had to be perfect. He would talk about how he couldn't preach certain things. He said he wouldn't even preach on hell till he knew for certain there was a hell. And he wouldn't even preach on marriage and divorce till he knew for certain exactly how to answer each question on marriage and divorce. Why? Some of us ministers, we would just take it and say, well, God gave me this, so I'll just preach. It's good enough. Praise be to God. But to him, he was designed a certain way that he had to have it right on the button or else he wouldn't say it. 
He was designed to hear the voice. He says in the message, Christ is revealed in his own word. In 1965, he says, God in sun-dried terms and in diverse manners spake to, their, to the fathers through the prophets. He said on this writing, not one jot or little or tittle shall ever pass away until it's fulfilled. And then it's manifested. Then it, will, then it will pass because it's manifested. It can't pass then, he says, but just the word itself is made flesh. Job means small word. Tittle means small mark. So not even one punctuation, one expression, everything. Nothing shall ever fail in the word of God. It can't fail because it's God. God manifested in the form of a human flesh for it's God himself in letter form, prophet form, manifested in flesh. Now he's talking about the prophets of old. How, how the Hebrews chapter, uh, oh, chapter 1 in verse 1 would talk about how God in sun-dried time spoke to the fathers through the prophets. God would reveal himself and they would say it just exactly the way God said it. He said it couldn't be one jot. It couldn't be one word different. It couldn't even be one punctuation different. It had to be just exactly the way God said it. If God said it this way and then paused and then started again, that was a period. Had to be exactly the way God said it was, was going to be said. That's the way they had to say it. And they were designed in that way to say it that way. That's why even Elijah and his spirit, my, when he was under the anointing of God, he could say it exactly the way God said it. He could get up there and he could have 400 prophets of Baal killed and he could call fire from heaven. Why? God said do it just this way. And he did it just this way. And as soon as that vision ran out, in his spirit now, he was designed that he was, he, he was a man of the wilderness and he got scared and he just run back out in the wilderness and said, Jezebel's trying to kill me. Well, it didn't mean that the word was of no effect. No, it meant that in his spirit, that's the way he was designed. I'm coming to something. So he says, now that's the reason Jesus could say, the one who spoke to you, you call them gods, small g, gods. He said, who spoke to you by the word of God, they were gods. Those prophets, when they were anointed with the spirit of God and brought exactly the word of God, then they were gods. It was God's word speaking through them. They only interpret as the author would, in, would permit them to interpret. Now that's in, in 1965. Now how many here want to raise your hand and say, Brother Branham was the prophet for our day? Amen. Out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you've just spoken for everyone that's listening in that I can't see their hand. But we all know that. So we could apply this then to him. Amen. That God spoke through Brother Branham the word of God. So that he would write it down and he would say it in a certain way. Why was it recorded? Because it was now a prophet that was speaking the word of God to the church for that day. Our day. He was made up in such a way. Why was he made in such a way that he had, that gun had to drive the tack at 50 yards just exactly perfectly every time? Because that was in his nature of his spirit. That, that, so that way when the word of God, where that was God put revelation in him, would begin to come back out again, it had to come out just perfect. Because it had to be exactly as God said, say it. He had to say it that way. Amen. See, it's not just the soul. It wasn't just the word and faith. It was right down into his spirit. God designed the prophet. 
He was made up in such a way he could hear the voice of God and filter his revelation through the Word until he knew just exactly what God said about it. Then he wouldn't say nothing at all. See, that's what Brother Battle would talk about denominations, and denominations have a denominational filter. Where they take the word of God, they might receive true revelation. They might have the real spirit of God, but then they push that through their denominational spirit, and it comes out all wrong. But he said, God never designed me that way. That's why he couldn't take with one denomination or the other. They wanted to push him through their filter, and he said, the only filter I can use is the word of God. When God speaks to me, i got to find it in there. Amen. I was thinking of the time, just to, just to nail it down a little further of his spirit, the time that he tried to kill those boys that beat him to a pulp. They held him down. They bashed his face in with a rock till finally they listened to his cries for mercy. With the Branham there, and, and, and they let him go, and he ran home, but not to stay there. He grabbed his twenty-two rifle, and he ran out and met them, hid in some bushes till they got there. And I want you just to put yourself in his shoes for a moment. And, uh, and as he jumped out there, he raised the gun, and he said, which one of you wants to die first? He said, you're all going to die. No sense in crying. You're all going to die. Which one of you first? And he put it in the gun as fast as he could put 16 shells in the gun. He Put him in there, pulled the trigger, put him in there, pulled the trigger. Every single one of them, click, 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 wouldn't go off. Ejected every shell, 16 shells. Then we find what happened. He, you know, the boys all ran away. They're all gone by the time he got 16 through there. But then, then as he, what did he do? Many of us at that point, well, I said put yourself in his shoes. Many of us in our spirit makeup would have been so frustrated, perhaps we would have either just thrown the gun down or just left and went home. If we were really cheap and we didn't want daddy to know, we would have picked up the 16 shells and took them home with us. Okay, think about what would you do in that, in that moment. You're hot-tempered. You're, you're, you're ready to kill them. But at the same time, I mean, you just had a sovereign intervention of God. Every shell didn't go off. You would have just been so frustrated that, man, nothing's working out for me today. I just got beat up, and now, I'm, now my gun don't even work. Everything that means something to me is gone. And so we, most of us would have just picked it up and gone on home. Maybe some of us, if we were really curious, would have put one or two shells back in the gun, aimed it at a tree like he did and shot them off. And if they would have gone off, well, that's good enough for us. Pick the rest of them up and go on home. But he was designed in such a way, he had to know every single shell. He actually picked up all 16 shells. He had put all 16 shells back in, shot every single one of them at a tree. And then it records that he was then laughing hysterically because he just... I mean, what else would you do, laugh or cry? But, but in this moment, he was, this spirit was designed in such a way, he had to know down to the last shell. I mean, you would have thought in your spirit, after 15 shells went off, there's no point in putting the 16th one in the gun. But he was designed in such a way, even as a boy, he said, I got to put the last one in and make sure it goes off too. And it done, went off every, every single one of them because he was designed in that way. See, something in him was crying out. A seed in the deep crying out, but it was filtered through the spirit of a man. Now, what was happening, he was, he was having a temper, and in this temper, a temper is actually uh, a misuse in your spirit. It's a misuse of your reasoning because when you have a temper, your reasoning gets all out of filter. Okay? Amen? If he would have been down there having proper reasoning, he would not have taken his gun 
and 16 shells to go shoot five boys. He would have reasoned it out within himself and said, that's not very smart. But that didn't happen. Instead, he got his hot-tempered, his reasoning was completely depleted, and he just went out to go and do it. He was completely in the spirit. His spirit. But different ones, different individuals are driven to different realms of sin by, by a cry in your soul. Because there's something in your soul that's crying out for what? For satisfaction. But depending on your spirit realm, and we've we'll, we got some slides, we'll put them up shortly, but depending on your spirit realm, how you're made and how you're, you're, you're designed as an individual that, that even comes from your upbringing and how you're raised and there's different things that your daddy did, your grandpappy, your, your, your grandmother, your, your mother, that changes the way that you are. It designs you and it molds you in a certain way in your spirit. It doesn't affect your soul, that affects your spirit. Okay, that affects now that you, your, your conscience is a certain way. If you were raised by very legalistic parents, your conscience is in such a way that it'll cause two, one of two things. Either A, you'll turn out very legalistic the same way they were, or B, you'll turn out rebellious because you didn't want to live under their thumb. That doesn't affect the soul. That affects your spirit. Okay? But now in all of these things, we, we have a spirit within us, and so with the cry of, uh, from the inside, from the soul... Actually, if you just put that up there, Brother Mark. Let's put that slide up there, first slide. Some of you will recognize this. Yes, I did get it from my dad. I'll be out front. Thank you. Back. There we go. Okay. So there's a lot of animations in it that I need to get through. <laughs> but uh, we're going to just use it, Lord willing, for what we have this morning. But there's different things in your spirit realm now, in your spirit over here that you have. Brother Ed's been speaking on this, but there's different inlets and outlets of imagination, reasoning, conscience, affections, memory. That's in your spirit realm, and that's molded as to who you are. That's the way you respond to things and what you do things. But now on the inside of the inside of the soul, when you're first birth, there's unbelief there, but if you're predestinated seed, there's a little part right here called the predestinated seed. That that sits within you, and that there is crying out for something. That has a voice that is crying out for some satisfaction. It wants something, but you, by your first birth, don't understand what that is. Especially if you're raised by worldly parents and not in the message. You're not understanding what's going on. Why am I affected this way? Why, why do these things mean something to me, but they don't mean something to somebody else? Why am I affected this way and they're not affected this way? Why is it so bothersome to me? Why would it be so bothersome to Brother Branham, the things that he went through in his life, that maybe to some of other of his siblings wasn't such an effect? But it was something in him that was burning, that was driving, that was the way he was molded. But now in that, he, we have a predestined seed that's crying out. But now that is, that is filtered as that cries out. It's filtered through our spirit. 
Where now those cries go out and we interpret them different by the spirit that we have because we have something in us. If you're raised very legalistically, you know, something might be crying out. You feel like, yes, I need to pray more. I need to be a better individual. That's what needs to satisfy that, that cry. If I, if, I, if I just read more of the Bible every day, that would satisfy that cry in my soul. And you realize that's not really going to satisfy it. What, you, what it's looking for is for the Holy Spirit to come in to satisfy the soul. We'll get to that. But it's crying out. And as, as an unborn again individual, you're interpreting it and filtering it in different ways. Some people turn to drinking. To satisfy that, other people turn to movies, other people turn to lust, other people turn to drugs, other people turn to music, other people turn to parties. And different things, different, different satisfactions of that cry when really what it is, is it's a deadening of that cry. Because it's filtered through who they are and they look at, perhaps you look at your parents and your parents were big party animals. They were always out partying and partying and partying and doing this. Say, well, they seem to be happy, so I'm going to go after them. I'm going to go be a party. Why? Because that's something in your memory and in your affections and in your reasonings and in your imagination that you think that's going to be what's going to satisfy this cry, but it doesn't satisfy. Other people, perhaps, maybe those that are raised in the message, turn to more innocent things where they feel like, I've always got to be fellowshipping with somebody. You know, I, I always got to be at my buddy's house. I always got to be with my friends over here. I always got to be over there trying to satisfy a cry of God that God's wanting fellowship, but they're misinterpreting it, saying, no, no, I need fellowship with my friends. And now fellowship with your friends, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good thing, but it's something that they, the way that they were raised, it's something that's in their memory that they realize, you know, I remember when I was with my buddies last time, we had a great time. I didn't feel lonely, and we had a really good time, and that's great. So you feel like, well, I feel lonely, and I feel down right now because I'm not with my buddies. I need to be with my buddies. When really it's God crying out saying, no, I want you to be with me. Or perhaps even some people even crowded out even the message with games. Now, are games bad? No, not at all. But if you could, you could get so into those things to like, take up your time and take up your time till you're playing games Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, right, Saturday night, 2 o'clock in the morning, you're still sitting there playing Risk. Oh, yeah, church in the morning, right, I've got to finish this game of Risk. What are you doing? You're trying to satisfy a cry that's crying out saying, wait till Sunday. There's something coming. I need to be with you. I want a fellowship. But you're so deadening it in the games. You say, well, games aren't bad. No, they're not bad. But you could get that way with it. Where now you're filtering that cry through games and, and then it becomes, we'll call it Christian parties. Well, there's no drinking involved, but there's a lot of other reveling going on. But now... It's because there's a seed crying out in you, thirsting for the Lord. And that is a part of Christ down in your soul, calling out for the living water. The Branham actually literally says that. He says, the God planted his seed, and his seed is Christ. But our spirit filters that cry. Science even calls it different things. Science will take it, and they will watch the the uh, neuroreceptors in the brain and different chemicals that flow through your brain and they'll see when you receive something that makes you feel good, there's a certain chemical that begins to flow and it says that you know your mind or your, your body is just wanting these certain chemicals because that's the realm that science can work in. 
But what they're seeing is a physical manifestation of the spirit of an individual. Because I'll say it this way, the spirit of an individual is in the blood of an individual. The faculties in which you think are in, in your spirit realm is in your brain. That you have thinking and they can see certain parts in there. And this is why right now science is even looking at it saying, where really is the conscience of man? Because there isn't really a part in the brain that says, this is the conscience of the individual. Because that's as far as science could go. But Brother Ryan says, when you get as far as you can on that tree, step over the tree of life. And just keep right on climbing. Because science could go so far in it and they could say, well, if you have a really good time with this, you'll, there's a certain chemical that's released, and I'm, I'm not going into the depth of it for the sake of time. But then uh, that, that chemical's released, and, and they even say, we'll create a bridge then. So that way, the more you do that certain thing, the easier it becomes to, 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 to get your, your fix from it. That's how they, they describe drugs, where when you have a high from drugs, you know, your body begins to crave that again because it's built a bridge in your mind where it says, if I want to be happy, I just do this, and it crosses that bridge, and I'm happy. That's all something that's happening in your spirit realm. But now, in our spirit, we become so designed in such a way that we receive uh, um, uh, I was going to say circumstances, or we receive um, things that happen to us in a certain way. We interpret them in a certain way, and that's even where complexes begin to build up, and other other. Uh, um, scars begin to happen because we take something that has happened or an instance in our life that has taken place and we interpret it in a certain way, especially within the sake of a complex where you begin to, somebody says something and you interpret it in a way that they never intended it. Now you could take the psychological root of it and you could say, okay, but there's an arrow now that's put out, right? And the arrow, that, that you, if you shoot an arrow, it's not about just shooting the arrow, it's also receiving the arrow. Okay, so it's, it's, there's two sides to it. So when you say something, it's not just how you say it, it's how is it going to be received, right? So that's the psychological aspect of it. You can also take the spiritual aspect of it and understand that you can be so in tune with Christ and so in love with Christ that when someone would say something, even with the intention of hurting you, Brother Brandon would say you can get on your knees and say, Lord, forgive them, they didn't mean that. Amen. Hear me, I'm just trying to take my time a little bit so that way I don't get lost in it. <laughs> and then you can still get something out of it. Plus, we only got one service today, so it won't be too, too long. But now, that science interprets it certain ways, but there's also a way that it can be interpreted through the Word of God in which it is that we yield yield ourselves, our members, as members of unrighteousness at one time. But then Paul says, the same way you did that, now yield your members as members of righteousness. So the same way, I think it's in Romans chapter 6, that you were as a sinner, that you would just not think about it and just go do something evil because you were designed that way, but now that you become a born-again son of God, yield your members. It's not just talking about these members of your hands and your feet and your legs, but also in your spirit. Yield your imagination, yield your reasoning, yield your conscience, yield your affections, yield your memory to the word of God that's now in you. Now, but, uh, but that's the scientific part, but now because there is something in you that's crying out to God, a deep calling out to the deep, but it's filtered through your spirit, that's why we must repent. 
if we had just knew what that voice was right away, if you were born as, as, a, as an individual and God predestined you before the foundation of the world and he put his seed within you and right away as a child, before you ever came to the age of accountability, you knew exactly what that was. There would be nothing to repent for because you would have never done anything wrong. Because you would have known there was something in you that was guiding you and leading you and there was something that was crying out for God and you would have satisfied that right away with nothing but God. But, but because as a child, even those raising the message don't recognize it right away or even become um, refusing to recognize it or rebellious spirit and saying, well, no, no, I, I don't want anything to do with that or I, I'm not willing to receive it right now or I don't want to repent right now or I don't want to surrender right now. Hey, it happens. Because why? The Satan's, Satan's putting other thoughts in that same spirit that God's trying to cry out and trying to say, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. Satan's putting other thoughts in saying, well, you'll miss out on all the fun. Well, what about this other thing over here? You'll have to give that up if you take that. You'll have to give this friend up if you, if you receive that. You'll have to give this job up if you receive that. You'll have to give this money up if you receive that. You'll have to give this up. You'll have to do this. You'll have to do that if you do this. Why? Those are the thoughts of the devil being put in your mind, in your spirit, for a purpose to try and take you away from what God's calling you to do. And that, Brother Branham would say, is the battleground in the mind. And that is also, this is where the Satan chose to fight, was in the mind, in the spirit. But God chose the soul. Amen. So we paralyze that voice that's crying out by trying to fill the desire for God, genuinely thinking that it's a desire for other things. A, a drunkard and an alcoholic doesn't go drinking, genuinely thinking, this is God calling me, but I'm going to refuse it. He goes out and drinks because he feels like this is going to satisfy me. And it satisfied me last time for a short period of time until I sobered up again and then I felt really bad. So I got to go get drunk again really quick. I'll say it this way with the Son of God. Um, one that is raising the message or someone that has thoughts of the devil being put in your mind. It's not that they, they uh, someone... I don't believe any of our young people would literally sit there and feel like, you know, I'm going to reject it because I know it's God calling me. No, they're rejecting it because they think there's something better. It's a genuine thought. Amen. I hope this is okay Sunday morning. But now, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says it this way. It says, for as, a man thinketh, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, what's he talking about? As a man thinks down in here. Now, science would say, where's the thinking faculty in there, right? There is no thinking faculty in the soul, but they've found that there is a little part down in the heart that they figure maybe that's the soul or something. But, but, but they want to try and say that all the thinking happens up here. But there's something down here that's crying out. There's something in the soul of a man that's crying out. Where is that coming from? That's the thoughts of God crying out. Trying to get you to do something. Trying to get you to surrender your life to him. It begins in the soul. It says, by faith. Brother Branham says this in the message. Um, the unity of one God in the, in the one church. He says, by faith, Abel chose a lamb. For it was blood and life that taken it. And he drug him to the rock and hammered his little throat until he bled to death. God said, that's righteous Abel. 
That's right. He did it. To, he did it. Come. He did it. Come to him. How did it come to him? By revelation, not by intellectual. Through his heart, he knew it. Amen. So now he's talking about the soul. He's saying, how did it come to Abel? It was a revelation down here. Something come to him down here and said, I need a lamb. It wasn't intellectual that he could look at and understand and say, yeah, okay, I see this is what happened here and that's what happened there. Therefore, I got this. No, it was a revelation that got dropped in his heart that now began to push out. And there was something, by the way, that he was designed in his spirit that he could catch it. That he could catch it and realize, God's trying to show me that I need to have a lamb for a sacrifice. So he was able to give it as a, as a lamb for a sacrifice. And God said, that's righteous Abel. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We know what that was. Peter caught a revelation. Now catch this, Peter was in this state. He was not yet born again. He still had unbelief in his soul when Jesus said that the Son of Man must go and be crucified. He said, no, far be it from you. I'll defend you. I'll do my life for you. I'll do all these things. He said, get behind me, Satan. He's in this state. And yet in that state, God drops a revelation in his heart. Because by intellectual, by his spirit, it is intellectual. He said, some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. But then God dropped revelation in and it came right down to his heart where now it was something real. In other words, the deep that was calling responded back. Praise be to God. And something responded in him that he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God, God said through Jesus, who was Jesus, said, Listen, upon this rock, Upon this revelation, I'll build my church. In other words, upon the revelation of who I am. See, he says, man looks on the outside, says the scripture, but God looks on the heart. Amen. Man would have looked at Peter and said, he's not a Christian yet. He's not living the life just yet. But God said, I'm looking on the heart and I give you the keys because of what's in the heart. Still in this condition. Isn't that amazing? God could give someone a revelation, they can act upon it, and they still not have the new birth. It's phenomenal, isn't it? He says you're filled with something. You might be filled with doubt. Your poor hearts may be running over with doubt, but the Brown says, I hope not. Then he switches actually to the Spirit, and he says, your hearts may be full of frets and worry. And it, may, and it might be that your hearts are full of trouble. In other words, what's he talking about? The effects. He says, if it's all doubt and unbelief in your heart, it has an effect on your spirit where now you begin to misuse your imagination and you begin to worry about things. You begin to fret about things. You begin to be so concerned about things. Why? Because if you have in your heart some doubt, we say, well, I don't, I don't know if, if Christ is really going to come. You begin to worry. Am I really going to see the rapture? Is this really going to happen? Well, hold on a second. You better get faith in your heart or you're not going to see the rapture. <laughs> It's that simple. But he says, listen, and it may be that you're full of religion, intellectual, fine perfumed theology. Now that's not in the soul. That's all in the spirit realm. That's all something in your spirit realm that you've honed your reasoning down to the theology of man or you've honed your conscience in a certain way. You've honed your, your imagination in a certain way. 
But now he says, you can be full of that, belonging to great churches and been in existence for years and setting back just as confident as you can be. Brother, let me say this. You might bring members to your church until you get old and die, and you'll never do nothing but build another tower of Babel. That's powerful. He's basically saying this. The Holy Spirit can work in this realm. In the spirit realm. And you could do many mighty works in his name. And you can bring people to church all you want. You can baptize them in the titles of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all you want. You could do all these things that you've done nothing but build another tower of Babel. Confusion. He says you can be full of foolishness. You can be full of nonsense. You can be full of anything. But you can't stay empty. Catch that. These are inlets and outlets. You can't keep them empty. You're affected by the things that you're feeding on. You're affected by the things that are around you. That's why I kept going over just shutting off the radio over and over and over again. Because you're affected by it. No matter how spiritual you are, how much you feel like I'm born of the Holy Ghost, you're affected by it. So I said, no, I'm not letting you keep listening to this stuff. I'm just going to keep turning it off until he makes a big fuss out of it. Because I didn't want to be affected by it. To see, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks in dry places searching rest. But when he comes back with seven other devils more worse than he, and the last estate of the man is, is eight times worse than it was at the beginning. In other words, you can finally get sanctified and cleaned out. You can finally get all the devil out and feel like I'm free from everything. But if you don't feel it, that same devil comes right back with seven worse, and now you're eight times worse than you ever were in the first place. It's got to be filled with something. You can't say, okay, I'm free now. I'm my own man. I could go my own way. I could do my own thing. Praise be to God. I got sanctified. I got justified. I'm free from all the past. I'm free from everything. I don't got the same desires I used to have. But if you don't fill it with the Holy Ghost, you'll find pretty soon that devil with seven worse is going to come right on back and you're going to be worse than you were in the first place. And I've found, this is just by, by experience, I have found one of the worst devils you can deal with. Brother Brown, I believe, says it, but I, I found it personally as a religious spirit. You get someone that says, oh, I remember that feeling of euphoria. I was justified. I know exactly what it was like. Praise be to God, I'm born again, wearing pants, bobbed hair, living that way, saying I'm just waiting for the rapture. Well, you're not living the life. Sitting there watching talk show hosts on the TV. Yes, I go into a lot of homes of people. I see a lot of people. I'm a plumber. And I talk to a lot of people, a lot of religious spirits. They say, oh, no, I know. I'm born again. I had that feeling before. Well, praise God, you got justified. But you didn't get nowhere. Because now you got one that come back. All the things you got set free from done come back. And they brought back a religious spirit wisdom that says you're good. And now you're way worse than you were in the first place. My, think of that. Anyways. says in the message, uh, hear his voice. He says, but listen to his still small voice. Every one of you people that confess to be Christians, don't let yourself quiet. Or, sorry, every one of you people who profess to be Christians, get yourself quiet before him. That's better. Don't let the washing hinder. Amen. All the housewives said, amen. Don't let the work hinder. All the brothers said, amen. Don't let nothing hinder. 
Don't let nobody know what you're doing. Just go before him. Get up in the woods somewhere. Get outside. Oh, get out on the side of the road. Get into the secret closet. Close the door. When the kids get at school, get down on your knees. You've heard all kinds of voices everywhere. Oh my, there's so many voices today. You got voices that's coming on the radio. You got voices that's talking in your family. And then you pick up your smartphone and there's voices of text messages coming. This person, this person, this person, this person. Trying to change your mind. Trying to affect your spirit. And you can't say, oh, it doesn't affect me. It affects you. We've heard all those voices. But just get down and pray until all those voices are silenced. And you begin to lift up. It will change you. It will make you different. It did this little, it did to this little Samuel. It will do something for you. Just do it. It will make you what you should be. It will make you the kind of Christian you ought to be. Amen. Before we take this another step further, I just want to take Samuel for a moment. That Samuel, as he was there, just a boy in the temple, and God began to call him and say, Samuel, Samuel. But he had so tuned his spirit to the voice of Eli, he went to Eli. It was an honest mistake. It was because he had been there for, I don't know how long he had been there for, I don't remember. But he had been there for so long that he had tuned his voice or his ears to hearing Eli. So whenever someone called, it was Eli calling. Especially at the middle of the night because they slept from one room to the next and the door was slightly open. So that way if Eli needed something, he could just call Samuel. And he was used to listening to the voice of Eli. So when God called. Now what was happening, there was a deep calling out to the deep in Samuel, but it had to go through a spirit realm. And in that spirit realm, he misinterpreted it as now the voice of Eli, where he said, Eli's calling me. Three times he went over to Eli and said, why, you called me again? He said, no, I haven't called you, go lay down. Finally, the third time Eli said, listen, next time this happens, say, Lord, my servant hears you. I'm listening. So finally that time, now what happened is his, his spirit had got an adjustment. Hallelujah. His spirit had got an adjustment where now he could receive the spirit of God into his soul. He could receive what God was saying. And you find that I actually took the slide off. I'm sorry, I actually should have left it on there. But I think I took the slide off where it comes down into the spirit where the Holy Spirit now could come down into your body realm and it can touch your body and you can sit, for example, in a service and God could come down and you can feel a warm feeling. And you can feel shivers down your spine and you can feel a wonderful thing. And it's the genuine Spirit of God touching you in your flesh realm. And it feels amazing. And you feel like, man, I could fly, I could jump, I could do anything. Praise be to God, I'm amazing, I'm on top of the world. But it's just because the Holy Spirit has touched you in your flesh. And then it could go another step further and it could touch you in your spirit realm where now the spirit of God has come right down to your spirit and this is the kind of adjustment that Samuel needed and this is the kind of adjustment that we need in order to receive the deep calling down into our deep. Because what he does, Brother Brown would say, is he gives you a new spirit. Or in other words, he renews your spirit or he adjusts your spirit so that it can receive what he's trying to say. Amen. I think I have to go change a filter soon at my in-law's place. At their, well, their water filter, they have a polishing filter. On their water system, their RO system, and they, 
you know, it goes through the different filters. It goes through the, the, the sediment filter, takes all the sediment. Then it goes through a carbon filter. Then it goes through another carbon filter. Then it goes through a reverse osmosis filter. And then it goes through a polishing filter, which the polishing filter takes out all, all the, the ill taste from the other filters, basically. And uh, so it has to go through this filter. I got to go change this filter sometimes. In other words, I have to go and adjust the filter because the filter is getting plugged up. It's not letting out the amount of water it should let out. It's the same way with our spirit. When we get our spirit and it gets so plugged up with the things of the world, Brother Branham calls it your flues begin to get plugged up. He says you got to blow them out so that God could come in and God could come out. you got to get a spirit adjustment so that way the filter's working. Amen. All right. I need to change gears here or we're not going to get anywhere this morning. You still with me? Time is it? Oh my. oh my. It's Sunday morning. We've got another half an hour. Ten minutes. Okay, ten minutes. Sorry. This is from the Church Age book from the Smyrnian Church Age. If you want to go home, when you go home today, if you've got time, read the Smyrnian Church Age. Especially the part where it says the Holy Spirit in all the ages. Really, really, really good. You can see that okay? Can you on the screen see that okay? Praise the Lord. It says, as the eternal Logos, God was manifest in the Son, in Jesus. In Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and the eternal one was the Father manifested in flesh, and thereby gained the title of Son. Even so we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn, became a many-membered spoken word seed. Now catch that. Even so, the eternal thoughts. In other words, you were a part of, if you were ever predestinated, if you're a part of the bride, you were in the eternal thoughts of God. Brother Brown takes us, I think right before this quote where he says, do you believe in the uh, pre-existence of souls? He says, no, let me explain that. I don't believe in the pre-existence of souls as the Mormons believe in the pre-existence of souls. But he says, you were an attribute of God. You were eternal in his thoughts that he had thought of you. In other words, he predestinated you in his mind. He knew that this was going to happen. So that way, when you were born, he put the predestinated seed in you. Amen. It's not a bunch of seeds floating around on the earth. No, it's that when you were born, when you became a living soul, then he put his seed in you. Knowing that you would receive it. Even so, we are we eternal in his thoughts in our turn. So, in other words, when we became manifested, we became the many-membered spoken word seed. Okay, that's your first birth. You became a spoken word seed. But he says, manifested in flesh, and these eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God, even as we are called. We did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed, and therefore we were reborn, not only the Now, he said, now therefore we're reborn, for only the elect can be reborn. Because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. He says, in non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. Praise be to God. He said, well, uh, I know I'm, I'm predestinated. Well, then praise the Lord because potentially you're there. But now you just need to get along with God. This is where you need to listen to the voice that's crying out within you, doing what, as David said, a deep calling out. It's the cry of the soul. And when that spirit around the soul is wounded and it's hindered and it's hurt, that's when it begins to cry, oh my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How long must I go through these things? How long do I have to be afflicted by all of these hurts and all of these thoughts and all of these things that's going on? Why? Because it's a hurt soul. 
soul or a hurt spirit that the soul, the deep calling out, is trying to break through. Oh, praise be to God. He goes on to say, hold this carefully in mind. Now take the next step. Redeem means to buy back. It restores to the original owner. God, by his death, the shed blood brought back his own. He brought back the spoken word seed bride. See, it wasn't just when you heard the word that made you a seed. No, you were already a spoken word seed, but he bought you back to make you the bride. Praise be to God, because that's as he saw you. Now, as I read the scripture, God looks on the heart of man. God looks on the heart of man. He's not looking at your spirit to say, oh, well, they can't be a good Christian because their spirit is so hurt and wounded and they're such a horrible person. But he looks down beyond that, down into the heart of the individual, and he sees himself because that seed is a seed that he planted. Therefore, that seed is Christ. That even in an unborn again, unregenerated, unredeemed state, it's still Christ in the heart that he put there. Oh, hallelujah. He says, my sheep hear my voice, the word, and they follow me. You always were a sheep. You never were a pig or a dog turned into a sheep. That's impossible for every kind of life produces the same kind. And there is no change in species. Oh, I thank God evolution isn't real. It says, as we were in the thoughts of God and then expressed in flesh, there had to come a day when we could, would hear his voice, the word, and hearing that voice became, become aware that our Father calling us and recognized that we are the sons of God. We heard his voice and we cried out as the prodigal son did, Save me, O Lord, my Father, I am returning to thee. Now catch these words. We'll go into it a bit in a minute. But the way he says it is so, so amazing because as we heard his voice and we cry out as the prodigal son. In other words, in an unsafe state, we call him Father. Why? Because you always were a son of God. You didn't become a son of God. You always were. He just placed you. As a son. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 to 7. This is where you find this. What I just said. He says. But when the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son. Made of a woman. Uh, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. That's not that we might receive sons. That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons. Now we will be. But you are sons. God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Father, Father, or Abba, Father. There wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now that last verse, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, that is not speaking to the literal being of you were a servant, now you're a son, but it's the placement of your authority. See, you always were a son. You always were crying, Father, Father. But when you receive his spirit in you, then it changes your authority from the authority of a servant to the authority of a son, where now all that I have is yours. Oh, praise be to God. Oh, I didn't take that slide. Look at that. There it is. But now it comes down into the soul when you receive him. And it's faith. No more unbelief. Oh my. We better carry on because 
I'm going to have to I see preach another part to this. Says, if you are true seed, you will hear that word. The Spirit will baptize you into the body of Christ, filling you and empowering you, and you will receive the word for your day and age. There's a place where Brother Branham says, he says, you know, we don't need to pray for power. We have, if you've got the Holy Spirit, you have all the power. You need faith to operate that power. He says, but God, maybe you don't give it to us because we would misuse it. Because power without character is demonic. So why am I still going through things, Brother Andrew? I've been born again a long time. Because power without character is demonic. You need those trials to mold your character so that you can handle the power he's already given you. He says, again, note, Jesus was the royal seed. He lived in a human body. When the Spirit called to him, the, manifest, the word manifested thought. When the Spirit called to him, he was the Word, the fullness of God. He was there. And it called to him. He was the manifested thought of God. And the Spirit called to him and said he went down to the Jordan and was there baptized in the water. In other words, he didn't go down to the Jordan on a whim. To go down there and say, I'm just going to go check this out. Now, neither did you come to this church on a whim. God brought you. There was a man, he's not here this morning, his name's Marshall, that was sitting in a Tim Hortons reading the Bible. God sent a deacon and his wife to that Tim Hortons just to look at him and say, I see you reading your Bible. Why? Because God was leading him to come to a certain place because God wanted to show him what that seed in his life was all about. He says, upon obeying the word, the Holy Spirit came upon him. If we could just catch that. Sorry, every statement, you could just stop and preach, Brother Moses, and just keep going. But we, we're bodies of time here. But we find that in there, all of this, he says, when he obeyed the word. You know, we got that. We say, well, I, I did this far. No, when you obey the word, full obedience to the word entitles you to the token. When he obeyed the word, then the spirit came upon him, and the voice said, this is my beloved son, hear you him. But the voice did not say... Oh, this is beautiful. Because the voice did not say it was after he obeyed the word, but he always was the son. But still after he obeyed the word, then the spirit could identify the authority that he had and said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And the voice did not say, this has become my son. Jesus was the son. The Holy Ghost positioned him as that son before them all. He said, then having then... Then having been filled thus, and the same pattern holds at Pentecost and after. In other words, God never changed his program after that. It's still the same. If you were a son of God, you always were a son of God. That's what makes a son of God out in the world a hypocrite. Not a son of God in church, not living the way he should, but one out there in the world. That's a hypocrite because he's a son of God. Always was a son of God. Praise be to God. But he needs to have obedience to the word to entitle him to the token. He says, by having been filled thus in the same pattern holds, he says, he went in demonstrating power, receiving the full revelation of God and from God for that day. Hallelujah. But then the dove came down and it was just divine love. He always was the son. He always was. But it took God to identify it. The Holy Spirit now to come down. Oh my. 
You can take that off, brother. Well, the random says in, in the thinking man's filter, he said, if I've got one desire in my heart, and I hope that everyone listens to me has the same thing. God, take me through your filter. As David said, try me and prove me. See if there be any evil in me, then take it out, Lord. See, I want God's filter. Don't care what the world does, what the church does, has. I want to be a thinking man, to think who I'm going to be standing by one of these days for judgment. Think about it here. Here he's talking about, he says, Lord, but the, day, the words of David that says, try me, prove me. You know, we often want to read the scripture. He's like, yep, go ahead, Lord, try me and prove me, but make it quick. You want to be proved by God. There's going to be some hard trials. There's going to be something you go through to prove that there is no evil in you. To push you to a limit to prove that you have in fact brought your spirit subject to the word of God that's already in you. Because when the seed of God is in you, there's a predestined seed. Then when the Holy Spirit comes in, you receive a renewed spirit, right? But then it comes in further into your, into, your, into, your, into your soul and it illuminates that seed. In other words, it gives life to that seed until that seed can grow into what it was always meant to be. And a plant doesn't grow like that. A plant takes time to grow. Amen? So when the seed is ignited with the life of Christ, it takes time for that to grow. It takes time for you to come into that image that God had already foresaw before the foundation of the world. But that's what he's looking at. Oh, praise be to God. And even in that time, there's still a deep calling out to the deep, a constant calling and a constant receiving. Praise be to God. But thank the Lord that there is a set in there that can receive what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Oh, praise be to God. I wish you all had another hour. We won't go into the after hour. But we find that in this, that now, that, that you have this in your heart where now you can come to a certain place and you say, Lord, try me. Prove me. Let me know if there's any evil way. Why am I going through such a hard time in my spirit? Because God is proving you. Oh, hallelujah. It's not that the devil's just the enemy. He's nothing but a tool in the hand of God so that God can use him to prove that he has in fact done a work in you. Oh, praise be to God. We just need to sometimes, I'll just go back to this and we'll close here. Get aside to hear the voice of God. We need to step aside. Think of Daniel who when he wanted to hear the voice of God, he went down by the river and say, down by the river, down by the brook for 21 days and he prayed. He got alone with God and because of the evil that was in that day, the angel of the Lord was held up for 21 days coming down to give a message to Daniel to answer his prayer. But the entire time, Daniel didn't pray an hour and say, oh, I didn't get it, I'm gone. No, he stayed there and he prayed and he prayed and he broke through. He said, are you saying, Brother Andrew, we got to go wait in our prayer closet for 21 days? No, I'm saying you should pray every day. And in that praying every day, be patient for the answer. Because if the day, if the evil in, in Babylon was enough to hold up the angel, what about Satan's Eden? 
See, I didn't get an instant answer. What about Satan's Eden when if I was continue reading all the quotes I have? You'd find out that Brother Balanby's talking about Satan. This age is a complete blackout of the Word of God. That wasn't Daniel's day. That's this day. A complete blackout that every time you're breaking through and you're breaking through, you need to try more than ever and more than ever keep that channel open. Keep that spirit clean. That's why we kick out all the TVs. That's why we kick out all the trash. That's why we kick out all the internet, all the, the, the excess internet stuff that we have pouring into our homes, trying to pour in. We don't go on those websites and all of these things. That's what I'm talking about. Some days, uh, in this age, we need the internet to even receive banking and emails and do anything. You need those kinds of things. But I'm talking about all the excess of it. Going on YouTube all the time. Going on this side all the time. Going on that side all the time. Taking up your time. Why? It's clogging. It's clogging. It's clogging in an age when there's a total blackout. Oh God help us to keep those flues cleaned out. Keep the filter clean so that we're not filtering the word of God but the word of God is filtering us. think of Paul. He got aside to hear the voice after receiving the pillar of fire. He got a visitation from God that came down. And after all those things, you think most of us maybe would have gone out, wow, I saw the pillar of fire. I'm ready to preach. I got this. I saw God. He said, I've called you. He said, why is it hard for you to kick against the priest? He called me. I know it. But even after all that, he got aside. Went down to the, to the desert of Arabia, I believe it was. And went down there for a couple of years and just got alone with God. Then he went out and was out there after getting alone with God and communing with God and getting revelation direct from God. He went out preaching for so many years. I think, I think it was 13 years. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but somewhere around there. That he went out preaching and finally met up with Peter. Found out they're preaching the exact same thing. Why? Both of them had heard the same spirit. Both of them heard the same voice, and both of them had a receiving set to hear what the voice was saying. Praise be to God. Oh my, that's what we need more of today. We need people that are able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Think of Moses. Moses was out there on the wilderness tending to his father-in-law's sheep. There come a burning bush that was burning. He was not the only shepherd in the area. Scripture doesn't say that, but I'll be honest with you. That was a land where shepherds grazed their sheep. But Moses saw it. Moses turned aside. Moses went to go see what it was all about. All the other guys, they didn't, they didn't care. They were going over there looking at it. Maybe they were running. Hey, there's a bush fire. We better get out of here. Moses says, no, I'm checking it out. Something's happening here. Right? There was something in him to receive what God was trying to say. There was something in him that could receive the word for his day. Thank the Lord there's something in a believer to receive the word for our day. Not the word for another day, the word for our day. Oh, praise be to God. Brother Marion, why don't you come? I was just seeing that course is a little bit more upbeat, I think, but I've been saved, I've been reborn. All my life has been rearranged.
gone, has been changed.